Chapter 3, Part 2 of Pioneer Work in Opening the Medical Profession to Women by Elizabeth Blackwell. The Sleepervox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 3, Part 2 Study in America, 1847 to 1849. Naturally, some little time was required to adjust the relations of the new student to her unusual surroundings. My first experiences are thus given in a letter to a sister. Geneva, November 9th, 1847. I've just finished copying the notes of my last lecture. Business is over for today. I throw a fresh stick into my airtight, and now for refreshment by a talk with my own dear sister. Your letter containing ease was the first to welcome me in my new residence. Right welcome, I assure you it was, for I was gloomy, very. It was on Monday evening your letter came, my first workday in Geneva. It had rained incessantly. I was in an upper room of a large boarding house without a soul to speak to. I had attended five lectures, but nevertheless I did not know whether I could do what I ought to, for the professor of anatomy was absent and had been spoken of as a queer man. The demonstrator hesitated as to my dissecting. I had no books, and didn't know where to get any, and my head was bewildered with running about the great college building, never going out of the same door I went in at. This evening, however, I have finished my second day's lectures. The weather is still gloomy, but I feel sunshiny and happy, strongly encouraged with a grand future before me, and all owing to a fat little fairy in the shape of the professor of anatomy. This morning, on repairing to the college, I was introduced to Dr. Webster, the professor of anatomy, a little plump man, blunt in manner, and very voluble. He shook me warmly by the hand, said my plan was capital. He had some fun, too, about a lady pupil, for he never lost a joke. The class had acted manfully. Their resolutions were as good as a political meeting, etc. He asked me what branches I had studied. I told him all but surgery. Well, said Dr. Lee, do you mean to practice surgery? Why, of course she does, broke in Dr. Webster. Think of the cases of femoral hernia. Only think what a well-educated woman would do in a city like New York. Why, my dear sir, she'd have her hands full of no time. Her success would be immense. Yes, yes, you'll go through the course and get your diploma with great éclat, too. We'll give you the opportunities. You'll make a stir, I can tell you. I handed him a note of introduction from Dr. Warrington, 
and then he told me to wait in the ante-room while he read it to the medical class, who were assembled in the amphitheater for his lecture, which was to be preparatory to one of the most delicate operations in surgery. And I suppose he wanted to remind them of their promise of good behavior. I could hear him reading it. When his age and experience were spoken of, there was a shout of laughter, for he can't be more than forty-five, and not much of dignity about him. But at the conclusion there was a round of applause, after which I quietly entered, and certainly have no reason to complain of medical students, for though they eye me curiously, it is also in a very friendly manner. After the lecture was over, the demonstrator, who now shows the utmost friendliness, explained to me at the doctor's request a very important subject which I had lost. It was admirably done, illustrated on the subject, and if today's lessons were a fair specimen, I certainly shall have no cause to complain of my anatomical instructors. The plan pursued here is admirable, and New York and Philadelphia may learn more than one lesson from Geneva. Dr. Webster came to me laughing after the first lecture, saying, You attract too much attention, Miss Blackwell. There was a very large number of strangers present this afternoon. I shall guard against this in future. Yes, said Dr. Lee, we were saying today that this step might prove quite a good advertisement for the college. If there were no other advantage to be gained, it will attract so much notice. I shall bring the matter into the medical journals, why, I'll venture to say, in ten years' time, one-third the classes in our colleges will consist of women. After the precedent you will have established, people's eyes will be opened. Now, all this kind feeling encourages me greatly, and I need it. For though my purpose has never wavered, a flat heavy feeling was growing upon me from constant disappointment. I was fast losing that spring of hope that is so pleasant. Consequently, praise cannot make me vain, and the notice I attract is a matter of perfect indifference. I sit quietly in this large assemblage of young men, and they might be women or mummies for aught I care, I sometimes think I am too much disciplined, but it is certainly necessary for the position I occupy. I believe the professors don't exactly know in what species of the human family to place me, and the students are a little bewildered. The other people at first regarded me with suspicion, but I am so quiet and gentle that suspicion turns to astonishment and even the little boys in the street stand still and stare as I pass. Tis droll. Sometimes I laugh. Sometimes I feel a little sad, but in Geneva the nine days' wonder soon will cease, 
and I cannot but congratulate myself on having found at last the right place for my beginning. I had not the slightest idea of the commotion created by my appearance as a medical student in the little town. Very slowly I perceived that a doctor's wife at the table avoided any communication with me, and that as I walked backwards and forwards to college, the ladies stopped to stare at me as at a curious animal. I afterwards found that I had so shocked Geneva propriety that the theory was fully established either that I was a bad woman, whose designs would gradually become evident, or that, being insane, an outbreak of insanity would soon be apparent. Feeling the unfriendliness of the people, though quite unaware of all this gossip, I never walked abroad, but hastening daily to my college as to a sure refuge, I knew when I shut the great doors behind me that I shut out all unkindly criticism, and I soon felt perfectly at home amongst my fellow students. The following extracts from my journal of those days show how any early difficulties were successfully overcome. November 9th. My first happy day. I feel really encouraged. The little fat professor of anatomy is a capital fellow. Certainly I shall love fat men more than lean ones henceforth. He gave just the go-ahead directing impulse needful. He will afford me every advantage and says I shall graduate with eclat. Then, too, I am glad that they like the notoriety of the thing and think it is a good spec. November 10th. Attended the demonstrator's evening lecture. Very clear. How superior to books. Oh, this is the way to learn. The class behaves very well, and people seem all to grow kind. November 11th. Anatomy very interesting today. Two admirable demonstrations. Dr. Webster, full of enthusiasm, told us of Godman, who was converted to phrenology by reading a work against it in order to cut it up. November 15th. Today, a second operation at which I was not allowed to be present. This annoys me. I was quite saddened and discouraged by Dr. Webster requesting me to be absent from some of his demonstrations. I don't believe it is his wish. I wrote to him, hoping to change things. November 17th. Dr. Webster seemed much pleased with my note and quite cheered me by his wish to read it to the class tomorrow saying, if they were all actuated by such sentiments, the medical class at Geneva would be a very noble one. He could hardly guess how much I needed a little praise. I have no fear of the kind students. November 20th. In the amphitheater yesterday, a little folded paper dropped on my arms as I was making notes. 
It looked very much as if there were writing on it, but I shook it off and went on quietly with my notes. Some after demonstration of a similar kind produced a hiss from the opposite side of the room. I felt also a very light touch on my head, but I guess my quiet manner will soon stop any nonsense. November 22nd. A very trying day, and I feel almost worn out, though it was encouraging too, and in some measure a triumph, but tis a terrible ordeal. That dissection was just as much as I could bear. Some of the students blushed, some were hysterical, not one could keep in a smile, and some, who I am sure would not hurt my feelings for the world if it depended on them, held down their faces and shook. My delicacy was certainly shocked, and yet the exhibition was in some sense ludicrous. I had to pinch my hand till the blood nearly came and call on Christ to help me from smiling, for that would have ruined everything. But I sat in grave indifference, though the effort made my heart palpitate most painfully. Dr. Webster, who had perhaps the most trying position, behaved admirably. November 24th. Today the doctor read my note to the class. In this note, I told him that I was there as a student with an earnest purpose, and as a student, simply, I should be regarded. That the study of anatomy was a most serious one, exciting profound reverence, and the suggestion to absent myself from any lectures seemed to me a grave mistake. I did not wish to do so, but would yield to any wish of the class without hesitation if it was their desire. I stayed in the anteroom whilst the note was being read. I listened joyfully to the very hearty approbation with which it was received by the class, and then entered the amphitheater and quietly resumed my place. The doctor told me he felt quite relieved. No further difficulty ever afterwards occurred. December 4th. Dr. Webster sent for me to examine a case of a poor woman at his rooms. T'was a horrible exposure, indecent for any poor woman to be subjected to such a torture. She seemed to feel it, poor and ignorant as she was. I felt more than ever the necessity of my mission, but I went home out of spirits. I hardly know why. I felt alone. I must work by myself all life long. Christmas Day Bright and gay with sleighs, the lake looks most beautiful, the mist rising from it in arches, the sky a brilliant blue, and the ground covered with snow. I received my Christmas annual with great joy, and having purchased twenty-five cents worth of almonds and raisins, I had quite a cozy time reading it. Sunday, January 16th. A most beautiful day. It did me good. 
The text impressed itself on me. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. I felt happy and blessed. Ah, if the Almighty would always shine on me, how strong I should be. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. The behavior of the medical class during the two years that I was with them was admirable. It was that of true Christian gentlemen. I learned later that some of them had been inclined to think my application for admission a hoax, perpetrated at their expense by a rival college. But when the bona fide student actually appeared, they gave her a manly welcome and fulfilled to the letter the promise contained in their invitation. My place in the various lecture rooms was always kept for me, and I was never in any way molested. Walking down the crowded amphitheater after the class was seated, no notice was taken of me. Whilst the class waited in one of the large lecture rooms for the professor of practice, groups of the wilder students gathered at the windows, which overlooked the grounds of a large normal school for young ladies. The pupils of this institution knew the hour of this lecture and gathered at their windows for a little fun. Here, peeping from behind the blinds, they responded to the jests and hurrahs of the students. See the one in pink? No, look at the one with a blue tie. She has a note, etc. Fun suddenly hushed by the entrance of the professor. Meanwhile, I had quietly looked over my notes in the seat always reserved for me, entirely undisturbed by the frolic going on at the windows. My studies in anatomy were most thoughtfully arranged by Dr. LaFord, who selected four of the steadier students to work with me in the private room of the surgical professor adjoining the amphitheater. There we worked, evening after evening, in the most friendly way, and I gained curious glimpses into the escapades of student life. Being several years older than my companions, they treated me like an elder sister, and talked freely together, feeling my friendly sympathy. Under the intelligent instruction of the demonstrator, anatomy became a most fascinating study. The wonderful arrangements of the human body excited an interest and admiration which simply obliterated the more superficial feelings of repugnance, and I passed hour after hour at night alone in the college, tracing out the ramification of parts until, suddenly struck by the intense stillness around, I found that it was nearly midnight and the rest of the little town asleep. I was equally amazed and shocked some years later, after dining with Mr. Walsh, the American consul in Paris, to learn that he had remarked that he could not look 
at my long slender fingers without thinking of the anatomical work in which they had been engaged. End of chapter 3, part 2